Hey guys, Jim Cox, Devon Financial Partners, Park Avenue Securities, and I'm here today with an interview with Marla Thalheimer. She's been in the sustainability space for a number of years and works with a company called Retech Advisors. And um, I thought it would be interested, interesting in terms of getting her take on the role of real estate in terms of sustainability and what can be done to improve the uh, climate situation and in terms of improving the economic situation. So Marla, thanks for taking the time to, to uh, chat with us. Awesome. So um, you're with Retech Advisors. What is Retech Advisors? And just to give a little bit about your uh, background. All right. So Retech Advisors is a sustainability consulting firm. Uh, we do a lot of um, strategic sustainability consulting for commercial real estate clients. Um, and in particular, I'm focused on the senior living sector. Uh, but we do all sectors as well as uh, supporting organizations and uh, governmental organizations that support commercial real estate. Um, so prior to uh, coming to Retech, which has actually been fairly recent, um, I was the director of sustainability for Brookdale Senior Living. Um, so I was there from um, uh, 2015 till just this past March. And... Um, uh, prior to that, I was actually the director of sustainability for Liberty Property Trust, um, and Liberty is a large office and industrial REIT, um, and I was there for, gosh, 15 years, um, and actually started doing sustainability part-time at Liberty, is how I got into it, um, starting in 2004, and then took it over full-time in 2008, so I've been doing sustainability full-time since 2008. So you've been doing this for a while. I mean, I, I would imagine that you've seen things change a lot in the past couple of years. Um, how, have, how have things improved in the last, like, three to five years compared to previously? Yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting. There's definitely certain areas that have improved and, and some areas that there's habit. Huh. <laughs> so... Um, so on the commercial real estate side, particularly in the office sector, I mean, that's where we've really just seen the most activity, um, which is great because, um, with everything that's happening, I mean, I mean, the buildings, uh, there's a couple of components, right? You know, the buildings are such intensive energy users, um, and they're a big part of, you know, carbon emissions and all that. So the buildings really make an impact. So it's very important to focus on them. So there's um, a, an, a lot of the real estate owners, particularly um, large portfolio owners and investors, are very focused on it. So there's a lot going on in the office sector. Um, and, and the interesting thing and sort of the newest thing that's coming is, is and, and that's starting to get traction is it's a little bit more than just, you know, you, you do your resource reduction, right? You save energy and carbon and water and that's all kind of a given. And now the next um, sort of green building thing is really focused on um, the occupants in the building and how the building affects them. Um, I love, I think it was Chris Pike from the USGBC. I heard him say, you know, it's like suddenly the real estate owners woke up and said, oh, look, there's people inside our building. <laughs> um, and this, 
you know, understanding that uh, what we do and what we put in the buildings actually affects the occupants. So the whole health and wellness thing uh, is really just there's a lot of emerging science, and that's and to me that's very exciting, particularly with the work I do with the senior living sector. Um, so there's that piece, and then um, so again, office is really kind of leading the way. Then there's other sectors that are you know that are close behind office, and but definitely following the footsteps. There's a lot being done in hospitality, which is great, and I think a lot of people can actually see that in a lot of the hotels that you visit. Um, and even there's some, you know, in industrial and um, like the warehouse. So you've got your large players like your Amazons and, um, you know, just, just a, a lot of your large um, companies, you know, even like Coca-Cola and, you know, they are really um, – implementing programs and trying to make sure that as part of their programs that they have their buildings, you know, uh, be sustainable. So there's a lot going on. So that said, um, oh, and then the other comment I was going to say was I think with everything that's happened, you know, legislatively and pulling out of the Paris Agreement and all that, I think that that's giving those who are doing it, that's giving them even more motivation to move forward. Um, and on top of that, we've got the major cities, mm. right, that are really doing their share. So you've got mayors of cities that are stepping up going, we are going to make sure that our buildings are, you know, reducing their um, energy and water use. Yep. Um, so that's why we're seeing so much mandatory benchmarking in major markets, as well as even the whole state of California now is doing a whole mandatory benchmarking. Yeah, I think, uh, wasn't there um, a movement a uh, number of years ago to try to have the federal government basically um, use um, green buildings in order to drive the growth of um, redevelopment in, into that direction? Did that fall away, or did that actually happen, or has that been killed off by... The current environment. Well, um, I mean that is a good question, and I know that it was in play. Um, and because of my shift to the senior living sector, there, if there's something that's happened over the last couple of years, I might be slightly off. But um, I do know a couple of things. So GSA was definitely being a leader in this, right? And they're they're the largest real estate holder in the country. So they were definitely in new construction was um, slotted to be lead silver mm. minimum. And the other interesting play that they made was they said that any GSA lease, right? So not only, um, you know, do they own uh, more real estate than anybody, they also lease a lot of real estate. Yeah. From, you know, so they were saying any new GSA lease had to be in an Energy Star building. So again, those are um, you know those are big drivers for the market. Yeah, you know, exactly. GSA makes a big play like that. It definitely and if, if you know when GSA says we're not going to lease from you unless it's an Energy Star space, that you know uh, building owners who weren't paying attention before are suddenly paying attention. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, that was so, that was a big play. So you mentioned that there are certain sectors that um, have lagged in terms of. Uh, pursuing sustainability in terms of real estate, like what are some of the sectors that are the laggards and why Why is that? Well, um, so the one, now I'm going to contradict myself a little bit here. Um, 
when I talk about like the warehouses and the, um, the, the big manufacturing, a lot of the progress there has been in owner-occupied buildings. Um, and I know that there's a lot of owners, particularly the REITs, right, that, are, that own like warehouse space that are very, very interested in trying to move the needle in their warehouses. But the, the challenge is you have um, a triple net lease right? And that's called the, the split incentive. So just for those who may not be real estate savvy, what that means is, you know, you have a warehouse space and your tenant is responsible per the lease to take care of everything, mm. right? They, they, they manage everything inside that space. You just provide them the square footage and they take care of everything else. So what you have then is you have a, a tenant that says, um, you know, I don't want to make improvements to this building because I don't own the building. Yeah. You know, my lease is up in five years and, you know, it doesn't benefit me to replace the HAC with a more efficient one. And then you've got the owner that says it doesn't do me any good to replace the HAC with a more efficient one because I don't get the benefit of the savings. It does all go back to the tenant. Yeah. So that whole, that split incentive thing is, is you know, it's just become... You know, it's, it's a barrier. Um, but again, you know, you've got a lot of creativity out there. You've got owners of real estate that are trying to do the right thing in their portfolios, and they're trying to partner with the tenants to get creative to say, look, you know, you know, we'll help you finance that HVAC system if you extend your lease another five years, you know. So there's creative ways that are, you know, that owners are working through some of these barriers, which is great. Um, but that is because of the split incentive, uh, you know, on those, on the non-owner occupied, um, industrial warehouses space, it's, that's been a little bit of a lagger, but there, again, like I said, there's some creativity happening there. Hmm. Gotcha. To start to move that needle. Um, and I will say too, I mean, again, one of the reasons I'm in the senior living space and I'm so passionate about it is it's another one that's a little bit late to the party. Um, uh, just... And I kind of, now that I've been in it for a while, I understand why, uh, you know, because they're, they're so focused on the care of the residents, which of course they should be. Um, and they're in such a regulatory environment, just doing their day-to-day jobs that, you know, it's, it's a hard operating environment. Um, so it's, it's a lot to sort of, you know, process adding on you know, all the sustainability components of the buildings too. But there's definitely, you know, there's there's people out there doing it and there's just a lot more opportunity. And I think particularly as we talk about the senior living sector and we talk about that, as I mentioned earlier, the health and wellness component. I mean, there is there is no better sector to talk about health and wellness in your building, you know, than senior living. So yeah. that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of, you know, passionate in the space and, and uh, trying to do just that in the senior living space. How do you, um, when you look at like um, a hypothetical um, client or building owner or company that um, you've worked with or you, you're working with, where does the most of the resistance come from? Is it from the ownership of the building, from corporate, from the people who manage a building? To in in terms of it, put it looking at sustainability, like yeah, I mean it. You know, it it depends. Um, you know, again, let's talk about you know stick, sticking with the senior living space here for a minute. You know, there's um, 
there's owners of the real estate, again, you know, REITs, okay, Real Estate Investment Trust, um, who are very sustainable. And they're working very hard to improve their portfolios. Um, and, and, and many that own, uh, there's many that have senior living space, and they're working very hard to try to engage with their operators. So again, if you're a REIT and you own the assets, for senior living, you don't operate them. You have an operator mm. that you've partnered with or a joint venture partner that you've partnered with. Um, and they're doing the operations. So, yeah, so there's a whole, um, I think the barriers there are really just, they're um, similar to what they are, again, in the what I was describing a few minutes ago in warehouse, right? There's, yeah. a, there's a split incentive. Um, because the operators typically, you know, if there's any savings to be had, they're the, going to be the ones that benefit from it. But again, I know that the re, the owners, you know, they want their operators to do well, right? They want to be a good partner, and if they can help their operator do well, you know, they want to do that. Um, but there's just challenges as far as, you know, if they want to roll something out and say, hey, you know, operators, we want you to... Um, replace all your LED, replace all your lights and put in LEDs. Well, something like that's a little bit easier to sell because um, particularly if the financing is good, you know, there's so many places where there's incentives that make a payback for that type of investment to be because you're, right? because you're saving money down the road or, you know, over the long term as opposed to continuing down what you're paying now, right? Yeah, there's that, but there, and there's, there's incentives from the utilities that, um, you know, so on an LED retrofit, it's kind of a no-brainer. So something like that, even even the most, I couldn't care less about the environment person, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if they've got any business sense at all, they're going to be like, hey, wait a minute, you know, it's going to save me, you know, it's a good investment uh, because it has a very good payback, um, and, and in a senior care setting, I mean, the residents love it because they get really nice, good quality light. So they love that. So that's two wins. And then um, they get the ongoing savings, which is, you know, a lot of times can be fairly significant. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- things like that are pretty easy, you know, to sell. And they're pretty easy to say, hey, you know, uh, let's do this. Or is there a way we can partner? And how can we make, you know, something like that? Because those, that makes sense. Some of the other things are a little harder. You know, like um, just kind of doing something because it's good for the environment. Um, you know, are you, you know, re- basic recycling sometimes can be a hard sell just because it's a big change in process. And, you know, a lot of places it saves money, but some places it costs a little bit more. So, you know, initiatives that are the right thing for the environment that cost a little bit more can be, can still just be a non-starter. Gotcha. So, you know, again, even if that even if that real estate owner is like, we really would love for you to do this, and how can we do it? If if the value isn't there for that operator, or even an owner, right? You know, if if there's not a good business case, there's there are some businesses out there. There's some real estate companies out there that are like, yep, we see it. We we will do the right thing. We want to do the right thing. Um, in fact, you know, when I was at Liberty. Um, they built lead buildings and they said we will always build a, build a lead building even if the customer doesn't want it we're going to build them a lead building because that's what we do so there's a lot of real estate companies out there that are taking that stance because you know that's that's what they believe in 
Um, but there's a lot of other ones too that they're like they're happy to do it as long as there's a good business case, right? Because they have to report to shareholders. Yeah. They want to make sure that you know that it makes sense across the board. So the right? the question is then companies that do the extra investment in terms of sustainability. Are they able to basically show that those properties are worth more in terms of um, uh, fair market value or in terms of cash flow compared to a property that's not retrofitted in terms of being more sustainable? Well, that's yeah, that's the million dollar question. Literally, um, and there's there's been a lot of data, and it took a while um, because initially, you know, it's like. Uh, initially, there was some data coming out that said, you know, lead buildings had better uh, occupant satisfaction and higher occupancy. But then it was like people started poking holes in that because it was like, well, of course, it's a new building. Um, it's a new building in a in a you know major market, so of course it's going to do better. And so anyway, so it's taken a little bit of time, but there's really been some compelling research for sure. Um, that really states that, you know, there, there's a lot of um, value in increased occupancy, increased rental rates, particularly in, you know, major markets, right? And, and I think, you know, the other thing, too, is something like um, a lead building. Lead is the easiest because it's, it's, you know, it has a mark on it that it's been verified that it is, you know, all of the things that it promises to be. Particularly in major markets, um, you know, lead has come become synonymous with quality, right? So, like, if you've got a, you know, is there such thing as a class A building in a major market that's not lead? Hmm. Probably, but you know, over time, that that might sort of not be the case. It's like, you know, if it's going to be a class A quality building, then it just people are going to want to make the assumption that it's lead. Yeah. Um, and the market, I think, is driving it that way. It's, a little, it's not quite that like that in secondary markets, but, um, you know, in your major cities, you know, it's really kind of starting to be expected. Gotcha. One of the uh, things that's happened in the past um, couple of years is the drop in prices for solar panel. Um, yeah. Do you see a lot of installations in terms of large buildings uh, because of that decrease in price or is because that's actually something that that's something that um, tends to be opposed by the utilities that expansion of solar capacity in terms of some of their lobbying yeah uh, yeah and there's particularly I mean that's can be regional too like there's some states like the state of Florida you know the sunshine state you know why aren't they the solar state it yeah. makes no sense for yeah. but their their utilities and the government are just fighting it um, so there there is no solar happening in Florida because there's just no business case for it even I mean there is a little bit happening and, and uh, you know God bless the people down there still like you know trying to make it come through and I think they're doing some on home homes finally but um, anyway, so there's, yeah, so there, depending on sort of location in the state, um, you know, you still have like California, New Jersey, you know, are the, are the biggest in Massachusetts. And so where the states are incentivizing on top of the pricing going down, you're definitely seeing a lot more solar start to go up, which is 
great. And the other things, um, you know, the in addition to the price going down, the new battery storage technology yeah, yeah. to go along with solar is huge because now people are able to look at solar as a um, model for resilient power. So again, that's another sort of next thing that, you know, real estate is really grappling with is resiliency. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Sandy, Sandy was a case in point where, you know, a lot of New Jersey was offline for weeks where they, you know, large companies didn't and large corporations did not have electricity at their production facilities or headquarters. So that I think that was actually the wake up call for for that piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and that, the, that's devastating to those businesses, right? Yeah. Um, so figuring out how you can have redundant power and not just a diesel generator backup, like yeah. how can you really, you know, so I do think that um, um, the battery storage combination with solar is helping. So is, is solar like all of a sudden now everybody's doing it because the price has gone down? No, um, but you're definitely... It's, it's definitely getting better, and we're definitely seeing more and more, you know, particularly for those, um, you know, again, those people that are the early adopters that have been doing it for a while, that they've done all the low-hanging fruit, all of their, you know, their buildings are optimized, and so getting a renewable technology on top of it is kind of the next step for them. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, the, the, um, but that's also a thing, trying to figure out how to have, you know, particularly in certain areas, right, that might be more storm, um, you know, have more storm risk or looking at, you know, how do they have redundant power? And, you know, so again, like, do you look at, uh, you know, how can you incorporate efficiency into that, right? Again, not bringing in a diesel generator that's going to, you know, triple your carbon emissions, but how do you actually replace your power Combined heat and power, microgrids, like what are the options to where you have efficient power that reduces your carbon emissions Hmm. significantly, reduces your energy cost significantly, and provides backup for you? That's kind of like the holy grail of, you know, finding an energy solution at the moment. Yeah. So um, you mentioned mentioned storm risk. Um, I'm curious if in the work that you do, if it ever comes up... um looking at the risks associated with um, uh, like coastal properties and sea level rise and um, dealing with uh, those issues in terms of, like you said, resiliency. Uh, is that part of a sustainability conversation or no? It is. Start. It is. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be. I mean, it, can, it also stands on its own. Um, but it is definitely becoming part of the sustainability conversation. And I think that, um, again, major cities are leading the way on this. Like the city of Boston, I mean, they've, they've done a lot of work for obvious reasons. Um, and I know they've even done some work in Philadelphia. So, I mean, there's a lot of major cities that are really trying to, you know, again, they have to, right? They have to have these conversations of resiliency. Um, so, and, and yes, and it, while I think that the real estate is industry in general is still trying to figure out what it means and, you know, what they need to be doing and what the risks are specifically, um, you know, so there's just 
a lot of unknowns, but yet there's a lot of, you know, based on the major storms, like you said, like Sandy and, and um, uh, was it, I guess it was Sandy that hit New Jersey, wasn't it? Yeah. But the major storms that we've had recently that has been so devastating, um, you know, they're happening more frequently. Now it's, you know, again, people are starting to see this and trying to think, okay, you know, it's, the answer can't be to investors anymore that, well, that's why we have insurance. Um, you know, it has to yeah. be, you know, we, this is what our plan is. Um, and this is how we're looking at it differently. But yet I think there's still a big education on yeah. it in general, right? There's a big learning curve because we're all trying to figure it out. Well, I think it's even a matter of, like, expanding the uh, geographical definition of it because, I mean, you look at, like, what happened in uh, Houston. I mean, you wouldn't. I, I wouldn't think of that as a flood-prone area, but, you know, three yeah. days of rain and, um, you know, most of the city was underwater, or a good part of it was, yeah. and um, most yeah. of those people, well, from what I understand, did not have flood insurance, but, I mean, so you yeah. need to look at buildings not just on the on the coast. It's like it's a conversation for everybody because you got to evaluate you know, your surrounding environment, regardless. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. What, um, where does um, electrification of, like, transportation fit into conversations around real estate? Like, um, I've noticed that uh, different um, uh malls or stores have put in charging facilities like does that ever come up as a as a part of a conversation or yeah there was a big push for a while to really and it's you know it's it's such an interesting topic when you talk about electric vehicles because it's you know it's a little bit chicken and egg right like Mm. if you put the chargers in, will the people buy the cars? Or people buy the cars, will they put the chargers in? <laughs> like, what needs to come first to have it? So, and I think with the, you know, the cars obviously still continue to develop, particularly with, you know, the latest, you know, Tesla option is, you know, very intriguing. Um, and I think that there was kind of a big push for a while to get uh, the EV charging stations out there. And now, I, I don't know, I, maybe it's, it feels like it's died a little bit, or maybe mm. it's just become a little bit more common. I, I know that they're going into a lot of, again, if people are building a lead building or a, you know, class A building in the, um, you know, in a major market, they're going to put one in their parking garage. You know, it's, you know, on some level, it's kind of become standard. But then, again, out in the suburbs and out in secondary markets, I don't know it feels a little bit stalled to me, but that's kind of more my gut instinct at the moment than, than that. Somebody may prove me wrong on that, and I and I hope they do. Gotcha. Uh, but I, I just haven't seen as much activity on it. Um, what, um, so, when you're talking to somebody about the work that you do, like, why should somebody reach out to you? Like, what is... What's the proactive reason for somebody to reach out to retech advisors to want to do something? Well, it's um, really if, you know, 
know, for those real estate companies that maybe they've done a little bit or, or you know, related to sustainability, you know, maybe they've done a couple of measures or maybe they've got some investors asking them, you know, what are you doing for sustainability? And they're like, we have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's what we do is we really, we, we work with a company to strategically put them on the roadmap to a successful sustainability strategy, um, which really, it's, it's not just to be more sustainable, which is, of course, you know, a major goal, but it's also to create value for their company, yeah, right? Yeah. We have a very pragmatic view where we're not going to, you know, it's not our place to come in and say, all right, we want you to spend a million dollars on all of these things and you'll be more sustainable, right? That's yeah. not how it works. You know, we really take the time to learn the company and really sort of understand what are the best measures that fit into that company culture that will create value, oftentimes savings, um, and will really, and, and at the same time, and um, be able to have the outcomes be a great story, right? A great story that can go back to their investors, and, and we help tell the story too. You know, we started here, and now we're here because of these things that you know were implemented. Um, and this is now part of our ongoing policy and, you know, and because of that, then we have this great outcome. Yeah. Right? So we kind of do it from start to finish. So here's your strategy and then here's your story about how successful you were. But it's really based on um, value through sustainability. Yeah. But I mean, um, I would say that all businesses at this point are trying to find ways to improve their profitability. So, you know, clearly if you're able to do that um, with what you do, then there's going to be more takers than there were five years ago because of the, just because of the financial situation and kind of the, the uh, constrictions that the economy has put on uh, corporations and on companies and especially on real estate nowadays. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I know it's interesting, right? Because I do think, I think you're absolutely right. There's more, there's absolutely focus on cost cutting, but yet there's also, you know, there's stakeholders driving the sustainability. You know, there's more and more investors, which is which is always a good thing, uh, but asking. And, and sometimes, you know, and in, from the investor side on real estate, I find it very interesting. It seems like the investors are, they're, they're more concerned that you're just, doing something that's just thinking about it yeah. as a company. Uh, and, and, and that shows them that you are on the way to better profitability, right? And a good quality um, uh, for your business versus they're more concerned about that than versus, you know, did you save 10% energy? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, that's not important to them. What's important to them is are you focused on it? Because if you're focused on it, then that's where you should be. You're in the right lane, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I think between that pressure and you're absolutely right, the pressure to reduce cost, I think that is, you know, those those players who, you know, again, those who are way advanced, we're leading the pack, you know, they're the leaders, but there's still a lot of people kind of in that middle zone. We're like, we've done some things, we're not sure what to do from here, or those other companies that have just really haven't started yet and they're getting some external pressures to do something. Gotcha. So those, so, are, those are the clients that uh, we love to work with and help. So what, um, like if there's a, a person or a, uh, a CEO who owns real estate um, who wants to 
become more educated? Like, are there local organizations where they can kind of um, draw on resources to try to learn more about sustainability um, on a local basis and kind of network with people in the in the fields? Yes, that is a great question. Um, there's a, there's some different options. Um, one of them I would say is the Green Building Councils, right? Uh, there's the U.S. GDC, but then there's also the local, different local chapters. Um, so any of the Green Building Councils are always a good option. But then there's also uh, other real estate organizations. Um, ULI is a great example. ULI is uh, very well respected, and, and I would assume that any CEO um, in real estate is familiar with ULI, um, and they really have a fantastic uh, program related to sustainability and all the resources and programs that they do is a great resource. Um, and even BOMA, so the Building Owners and Managers Association, um, again, I'm sure you know most people are familiar with them as well, but they also have a lot of great resources around um, sustainability, energy efficiency, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. DVGBC, like uh, Green Building Councils, I was aware of the others. I was not. So yeah. that's uh, great advice. Yeah. If um, somebody wants to reach out to you to kind of learn more about the work that you do, how can how can somebody contact you directly? What's the best way? Um, the best way is email. And are you ready? Are you ready for me to spell this out? Go ahead. <laughs> Um, so reach me at uh, it's first initial last name so M T H A L H E I M E R at R E T E C H advisors dot com awesome and then they can also connect to you on uh, LinkedIn right you're on LinkedIn absolutely I'm on LinkedIn um, would love to hear from anybody on LinkedIn as well. And you can also always go, if, if that, that whole email is way too complicated, uh, aside from LinkedIn, you can also go to the retechadvisors.com website. Okay. Um, check, it, check us out there and the services there, and there's also like a contact us that you could like send a question to. Very good. Awesome. Well, I thank you for taking the time and uh, talking today. Uh, learned a lot. Very useful. And um, you know, we'll have to talk again in the, the coming uh, months and years. Absolutely. Thank All you right. so much for having me. Thank you.